Hey friends, before we start the show, I want to invite you to check out my brand new free training all about how you can start your own freelance business from home. In this completely free one hour training, I am going to share with you exactly how I was able to leave my full-time teaching job and replace my income by freelancing and how you can do the same thing too. We're going to talk about how you can find skills that you already have and what services you can offer, as well as what you need to actually get started today. So you can go check out my brand new free training. It's my gift to you at aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. That's aubreymalik.com forward slash free training. And we will link that up in the show notes for you. All right, now let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Hey, hey there. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to be here today because we are going to be talking about something that I've definitely covered on the podcast a few times, but it's worth repeating. And I love when I get pitches for something that I know I personally do not cover. It is not my sweet spot, it is not my area of expertise. So I am thrilled when I get to bring people on the podcast to talk about this. I think it's such an important topic. And today we're going to be talking with Sarah Young all about money and finances and when's a good time to hire a bookkeeper and what things you need to keep track of and how do you know when to invest and pay yourself and all these things that come with owning a business and being smart with your money. And again, like I said, this is not my area. So I am thrilled to bring on experts in this field to be able to share what you can do to make smart financial decisions as an entrepreneur. So I am so excited for you to meet Sarah, to hear about her business and her journey and her growth and all of the gold nuggets that she has for us. So let's go ahead and dive on into the show. Welcome to the Freelancer to CEO podcast. This is the podcast for overwhelmed freelancers who are ready to simplify and scale their business so they can earn more and stress less. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former elementary teacher who launched my own freelancing business, and now I want to share all my secrets with you. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Well, hey there, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about finance. Yeah, such an exciting topic. I know um, for me personally, and I'll just be upfront and honest with you because I feel like we're friends here, it is not my cup of tea, even though I am a business person and I know like this is part of the territory. I'm always, I've always been that person that's like, "Uh, I don't really want to like think about the numbers, talk about the numbers, look at the numbers. Like I'd rather just be like somebody else's job, but I also know that it is important for me as the business owner to to know about these things. So I know that my listeners are really going to love this conversation. So keep listening and definitely get out a pen and paper because we're going to drop some really um, important information in today's episode. But before we dive into all of that, Sarah, I would just love for you to give us a little bit of background about like who you are, what you do, and how you got started in online business space. Yeah, absolutely. So I am Sarah Young. I am the founder of Young Co. I am a CPA and virtual CFO and Along with my team, we work with small business owners to ultimately help them increase their profit margins and build wealth from their businesses. And I have been a CPA in the finance space for over a decade now, and I just realized I hit the two-year mark of being full-time in my business 
a few weeks ago, um, as of the day of recording this anyways. And, you know, I've been, I side hustled before that for a couple of years. And ultimately, I mean, just my sort of quick origin story, I got into it because my in-laws actually had a business. And back when I was working in corporate accounting, um, they just needed help with their finance stuff and they were really stressing about it. Um, and this is a very, very well established large business. And I just was like, well, this is what I do for a living. Let me help you. And so I realized doing that, that it is actually really difficult for small business owners to get really good financial help. Um, and you know, me coming from the background I come from, I worked at Deloitte for four years and then in corporate accounting for another four. And I was like, this is just not okay. And it was more fun working with them than it was doing my corporate job. And so I started side hustling. I had my son in March, 2020, right before everything shut down for the pandemic. And after maternity leave was up, I had originally planned to quit my job. And I was like, should I follow through on it? Should I not? And I ultimately did. I'm glad I did because the timing has worked out really well with everybody just being more comfortable with virtual stuff in general with COVID happening. So um, I went full time in the summer, late summer 2020 and haven't looked back. That's awesome. I love always hearing the origin stories and how it came to be. And um, I love that you've been able to take something that traditionally in the sense was, you know, like a, a corporate job where you felt like, you know, I have to go in, I have to work at this office in this cubicle or whatever your office space looked like and how the world is shifting now to be like, hey, I can take my skills and my passion that I have and I can almost create the job that I want. Um, I'm sure for you kind of fitting around that lifestyle of having your little one at home. Um, so how how was that transition for you? Did you, I know for me, like even, even still to this day, so I'm a former elementary teacher and I still have people being like, you think you're going to go back to the classroom? Like it's been, you know, four years now. Um, but I, I did get a little bit of that like pushback from people because four years ago, I mean, even though I was, I'm still surprised that people are like, that don't know that like working online is really a viable thing and that so many people are doing it now that so many people have that, what a traditional job looks like. But I still had some people being like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Like, are you sure that's a thing? So did you deal with any of that as you made that transition? Oh my gosh. People still don't know what I do. I have accountants in my neighborhood that we're friendly with, you know, we all have kids and they don't understand what I do. But, you know, I, by the time I left my corporate job, I was at this like multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. I reported straight to the controller. I had like a team of 25 and I just remember thinking like, this is the, the farther up I went, the more that they owned my time. And I just remember hearing a lot of my coworkers saying things like, oh, I'm the first one to drop my kid off at daycare in the morning and I'm the last one to pick them up every day. And it was almost this badge of honor. And I just was, I didn't even have a kid at the time. And I thought, this is just not what I want. This is not my vision for being a working mom. And so, you know, I quit. And um, honestly, like they, I don't get people asking me anymore. I think they've, I try to be pretty open about you know, my numbers, um, even though it's kind of weird sometimes to talk about money stuff, like I try to be pretty open. I mean, I have a successful business. We're, we're at about the 500K mark. I expect to hit seven figures in the next 12 to 18 months. I've got a team like we are very successful. And so I don't get that pushback anymore. Um, but I certainly have people who don't 
truly understand what I do because it's just very different working with small businesses as opposed to being in the corporate accounting environment. Yeah, so so true. I like I like to tell people I'm like I am still teaching. Like I'm very much using my teaching degree, just maybe not in the sense of like when I graduated college what I envisioned that would be. Like I am still teaching and honestly I think that it's helped me especially as I've transitioned from being a freelancer to you know supporting other women wanting to start freelance business to having online courses and communities. Like that has really served me well because I understand how to you know, form curriculum. I understand how to teach things. I understand how to break things down. Like I have that background. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting as you make that pivot and, um, I can totally relate like people having to almost like see the hard proof. And I remember the first time that I was published online in business insider, I think like that was the moment where people were like, Oh, like we can actually take you seriously now. Like that you are actually doing, you know, like, I don't know if what they thought I was doing at home all day long, but that was like the marker of people being like, Oh, okay. Like you are, you actually, what you do is legit. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, um, I was a teacher for two years before I went back to get my master's in accounting. I taught high school math and I'm 100% with you. Like those skills totally transfer. I'm coaching people in their business on money stuff all the time. Um, and I feel like this this question of like, is your business a real thing? Um, I'm using air quotes, even though you can't see me. Is it a real thing? I feel like this is something that comes up, I feel like even more so with women. Um, I work with a lot of women business owners, just being a female, you know, accountant instead of the traditional kind of like older white guy, frankly, like, you know, people, women tend to feel more comfortable coming to me in many cases. And I feel like this question of like, am I a legit business? It comes up a lot. And I think the answer is, yeah. I mean, if you're paying your bills, you're generating income, like this is not a hobby. This is a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a perfect segue into our conversation on money. Um, For a lot of my listeners, they fall into two different camps. So a lot of them in the beginning are doing the side hustle thing. So they're in a position where they can't yet leave their full-time job. Um, That might not be the end goal, but for a lot of my women are moms and they are looking for more of that flexibility. They want to be able to contribute financially. Um, So they're working on growing that and getting it to a place where it could be. And then the other side of my listenership is women who have done that, right? They've they've scaled the business. They've made enough to be able to walk away from their full-time jobs so that they can have more freedom flexibility. But I think, you know, no matter where they are at in the spectrum, I think this idea of like their business and the finances around it can still feel very overwhelming. Um, and I'm sure you encounter that with a lot of people that come to you. So what would you say are probably some of some of those overwhelming things that even maybe hold people back from being like, hey, I actually should look at investing in a bookkeeper. I should look at my finances more than just like at tax time. Oh my gosh. Where do we even start? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you said it at the beginning. You said the money stuff is not my cup of tea. And I mean, I feel like just about every business owner I talk to, women especially, start off conversations with me that way. And I think that we view finance stuff as difficult or confusing and overwhelming. And, you know, on the one hand, I agree because tax laws are crazy. I mean, accounting can be overwhelming. Like not everybody needs to be an accountant. But I think at the same time, I like to say, you know, if you're going to be a CEO of your business, you know, truly a CEO and not um, 
like just taking your business to the next level, I think you need to have a handle on the money stuff. If you look at any successful CEO, like are they in the weeds in their bookkeeping? No. And I don't necessarily think that you have to be, but I think there are a handful of things that you need to be able to evaluate in order to, you know, make good money decisions and not be flying in the dark. And I think that a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't look at any of their finances until it's time for taxes. And by that time, you know, it's April, you're looking at the previous year, like you are, you know, three months or more out from when those numbers actually happened. And you've lost the ability to make, you know, quick decisions based on your money. So as a virtual CFO, like we focus on the overall financial strategy. And this comes up with moms a lot, especially is, especially if you have a spouse, a partner that is working and you don't necessarily feel the need to make a ton of money. Um, they don't know what to do with their money. And then that leaves them either hoarding piles of money in their business checking account and not knowing what to do with it, or they sort of don't take their business to the next level. They don't make those decisions to grow because they don't know what they could possibly do with it. And that's what I like to focus on is, you know, what is the point of this money? Is it to build up your retirement account so you can retire early? Is it, you know, to allow your spouse to quit their corporate job? Like my husband, actually, I'm really proud of this. He quit his corporate job in March of 2022. And, you know, that was because my business got to where we had enough of an income coming in that we could, you know, we felt comfortable not having his corporate salary anymore. And I think, you know, I see a lot of moms, especially saying like, well, I have extra money. I'll just put it into my kids 529s. And I'm like, okay, pause. Like we need to get clear first on what is the point of this money that you're making? Um, and then, you know, make decisions about how to structure your business from there. Yeah. So many good things you just brought up there. Like think like the bells are going off in my head because, um, it's, it's ironic that you said that your husband just quit. Cause that is something that we are working towards, um, for my husband. So we both come from the school background. He's a school counselor. And, um, while he loves what he does, we are just very much like when we envision, like how, how do we want our life to look? And because we have these opportunities that are available to us to be able to almost kind of design this dream life, something that's really important to us is just be not being on anybody else's time and just being, being able to decide what that looks like. And of course it's like, even though people will say, well, you're a teacher, you got like, you got the cushy school schedule. Like it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of restraints and like restrictions that re that come with that. Like we just can't, you know, pick up and take a vacation whenever we feel like it, because we have to wait for that traditional school holiday, you know, school vacation to, to come around, which is not always the best time to travel. Right. It's always like, super busy season. Um, and then something else that you mentioned about like, there are some key things that business owners should be looking at as far as the numbers to be able to make those timely decisions. What would you say are those, those important things? Yeah. So, um, I think that, you know, to your, I just want to like say like as a teacher, I think, um, yes, you have the summers off. That was the most stressful job I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like, and I was not paid well enough for that. Right, um, right. That's like a whole, that's a whole other topic of conversation. Um, you know, I think that I'm not asking anybody to be a CPA. I'm not asking anybody to be a bookkeeper. I think that that's why you hire one. You hire somebody to help you with these things. But I think that, you know, I like to call my clients like 
you're a millionaire CEO or you're going to be, because for most of us, we're going to need a million dollars or more in the bank probably to retire and have enough money to retire. Um, and so not that your business has to get to seven figures, but like you'll need to have money in the bank of probably at least a million dollars. And so when I think about your business generating that kind of income over whatever your time frame is, like you need to be able to put yourself like in that in that mindset of like I'm a millionaire CEO. And from my experience, I have my largest um, retainer clients do like twelve to fifteen million in revenue. When I look at them, when I look at my clients who have, you know, seven figure plus portfolios of investments, there's things that they know. They they know, I think from your business, a couple of key things um, would be sales, your ongoing expenses, and then answering the question, what is your money supposed to do for you? And so just to give a little more color, when I say knowing your sales numbers, um, I mean, I swear, probably 90% of the people that I see, the clients we have coming in, when I look at their profit and loss statement, they have one line that says sales. Right. <laughs> and then they've got like 50 expense accounts breaking down every different subscription that they have. And I'm like, this is backwards because I care more about where's your money coming from, right? And so when we look at your sales, you know, I give an example of myself. So we have virtual CFO services, we have a tax service, and then I have a coaching program. And so on my PL, you will see lines for each of those things. And so it's a simple thing that you don't have to be a bookkeeper to know is, you know, we put this basically on a scorecard for clients and it's just like a one page Google sheet. And we'll say, break me, break it down for me. Like if you made, let's say $10,000 in sales, you know, what was the makeup of that? Where did your money come from? And then the, the second piece is, yes, I want to know what your expenses are, but I like to think about expenses in two buckets. One is your ongoing overhead costs and the other is investments because they're different really. And when we think about ongoing overhead, I think we want to optimize that. And by optimize, I don't mean cut everything. Like I'm not one that advocates for frugality. I'm not saying like go spend your money on every single thing that you've ever come across, but you know, it's about being lean and smart and making sure that, you know, if you're if you're doing marketing that it's actually working for you, that if you have team members, you're actually utilizing that time and you're not just, you know, paying them, but not actually like using them to their full capacity, um, things like that. So we like to look at ongoing overhead expense and that would include software subscriptions too. That one can rack up pretty quickly. Um, although like there's certain things like I'm never cutting out my Canvas sub subscription, y'all, like I don't care. <laughs> I'll pay for premium all day. Um, and then the other side is looking at like investments and this would be one-time projects sort of things. Like these are the things that we look at and say, you know, yes, we're spending money, but the point of this is actually to get more money back. The point is to get a return on investment or ROI, right? And so what are the things that you can invest in that would increase your ability to make more money? Um, again, using like a millionaire CEO, if you picture somebody who is a millionaire CEO, they know how to look at $10,000 and turn that into $50,000, right? And so they don't view that $10,000 as just spending. They view it as an intentional investment. And so I think it's important to step back and look at those two things and say, you know, yes, let's optimize our overhead on an ongoing basis, make sure we're not overspending. But then on the other hand, let's also be really smart about what investments we make. 
Um, and then, you know, the last one that I like to talk about is really looking at your pay and what are you paying yourself, whether that is ongoing, you know, living expenses, making investments into retirement accounts, money coming out for fun stuff. You know, a lot of women I talk to when I say, what do you need to pay yourself? Like they'll ask me, how much should I be paying myself? And my first question back is always, what do you need? (laughs) And they can't always answer that question. And so I think being super clear on, you know, what does your money need to do? What's the reason behind you running this business? Aside from getting out of, you know, your old job or whatever that is, like, what is the money really for? And I think that that helps us figure out how much we can, how much you can pay yourself. That was literally going to be my next question because I know that and like some people have like a hard and fast, like it's, you know, a certain percentage and then other people are like, well, that really is going to depend because that was going to be my next question too. It's like, well, because I think it's going to vary for from every person. Um, and I just heard something last week when I was in Nashville is like, and it really stuck out to me is somebody was saying like, you have to decide like, what is enough for you? Um, you can always be chasing after like more, more money, more this. Um, but like saying like, this is enough for us. Like, and I think the second part, which I really like that you said is like, what is, what is that money going to do for you or what do you want it to do for you too? So um, you can have these bigger money goals. I even think like for me, sometimes it's been hard for me to be like, well, I would, you know, it would be great to make X amount per year, per month. Um, But then like even knowing like, well, we only need this much to live. So like, what could that extra money do? Like, could that go towards charities? Could that go towards investments? Could that go towards, you know, something else? Um, But I think we, there is this stigma around like, earning, you know, so much, so much money or like wanting to, you know, the potential to earn more, like as a teacher, I like everybody knew what my salary was and everybody knew for the next how many years as I was a teacher there, like what it was going to be every year. So the knowing that it could be more and that that money could do more things for us, not just buy more things, like buy more things or have more things. Um, but I think that that's a really important piece that I haven't heard people talk about is like, what do you want this money to do for you? I think that's really important to even just sit down and and have some reflection on that as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, so many points you just made. I think one, you know, when people say, well, what do you want to do in your business? When, when I ask new clients, what's your goal? They almost always just say whatever the next milestone is. So the first milestone is let me get to six figures. Then the next one is let me get to 250 and then a million and then 10 million. It just never stops. And you don't have to do that, right? Like you can, you can build up a business that generates enough money for you to be very, very comfortable um, without doing all of that and without constantly chasing after the next thing. And so it's not about not making more money because making more money is somehow bad, right? It's again, like kind of what I like to be clear on is what is the floor? Like what's the minimum that you need to make? in order to meet your goals. And then once you get there, then what is the next thing that you could possibly do? To your point, whether it is um, giving your kids a leg up, right? Putting money aside for education or leaving them an inheritance, getting that built up. Maybe my personal goal is I want to have a lake house and um, I want it to be like within a couple hours of our house and I want a boat and I don't want a huge lake house. I just want it to be a place that we can go. And like, to me, it represents a lifestyle that I want to live that my business can afford me, you know, 
Um, I have other clients who start nonprofits. They start a foundation, something along those lines. Like think of all the good that you can do in the world if you have more money. One of the things that I have like just recently started talking about is I'm doing a better job of tracking the assets that my that my clients own. So tracking the value of their businesses, tracking, you know, how much are they able to put into investments? Because when I think about, you know, especially women and mom business owners, not to be biased, but when I think about these types of people having more money in their hands, to me, I think money is power, right? Like think of all of the good that could be done in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think just being clear on like, this is why it's okay to want to grow your business. And this is what it will enable me to do. I think goes a long way. Yeah. So true. That's such a powerful way to think about it too, especially if it's like we're putting money in like, like that's how, that's why my mission is so strong. So a big part, I mean, obviously freelancing and like starting these businesses, it's just, it's just the gateway into it. Right. And it opens up a whole new world. But like my mission for why I'm really passionate about this is because I know the power of having parents at home with their kids and having that ripple effect. Like not only what does it do for the parents where the parents are not having to feel like, well, it's one or the other, or it's my job or I'm constantly having to choose, or I feel like I'm letting somebody down. And then like the kids as they grow up to be able to feel like, you know, mom was there and she could do those things. And she didn't always, you know, she didn't always have to say no, or, you know, she, I, you know, like I took that, I took that burden on as a kid. Like I was like, I don't want to ask my parents because I know they're busy. I know they're working. Like, I know we have to save these you know, for special occasions. Like I can't just be like, Hey mom, like I'm having a really tough day at school today. Like, can I, can you come grab me? Like I had to save those things. So that's why like my mission is so strong, but I, I think it's great for you too. On the flip side of it is like empowering people with, you know, making smart financial decisions and the money aspect of it and, and putting money in mom's hands, like what good we could do in the world. So I love that. Mm -hmm. I just got chills when you were talking about that. Like so good. <laughs> uh, it took me a while to get there. Like I had to do some really deep work of like why, like I had to keep peeling back the layers. Like, why is this so important to me? Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that I'm super, super passionate about. So, um, I, as we start to kind of like wrap this up a little bit, I do want to, since this episode will be coming out around tax season, I do want to briefly touch on that. Um, and just kind of get some of your quick tips. Like I, I know for a lot of my women, like they'll be coming up on their first time filing taxes with this, um, this money from this business. Maybe it's their first time like that. They're not, um, they don't have an employer that they're doing this. So what would be some of your recommendations for, as they start to plan and prep for this are things that they want to make sure that they have to make this go as smoothly as possible. Cause it, it is, it is a little tricky when it comes to when you're, you know, your own, your own business, but, um, I'd love to get your piece of advice on that. Yeah. Well, so I think that when it comes to taxes, I have I have a few rules that I sort of I like to state up front. I think number one, people say, well, how can I not pay taxes? And my answer is in general, if you're making money, you will have some level of taxes. And, you know, are there some things we can do to reduce that? Absolutely. Um, typically, you know, when I have clients who are newer in their business, it just you there's not a ton you can do aside from have really clean financials, honestly, just being able to take the deductions that you are already entitled to that you have already spent the money on just being able to take those deductions results in sometimes, you know, thousands of dollars of deductions. Um, 
And then when you sort of get to the next level of you have enough profit being generated to pay yourself a salary and you have money left over, then with that sort of leftover money is what we can start investing. We can get a little bit more, um, the word that's coming to mind is creative. I don't love to talk about creative accounting. It makes me a little bit like, (laughs) it makes me feel a little weird, but, um, you know, with the extra money, then we can start saying, well, what are some investments that we can make that align with your own personal long-term goals that can also simultaneously save you on taxes? So I think just knowing, you know, for people who are not in that place, if you're newer in business, I would say whether you have an accountant or not, you probably need to just make sure that you are taking all the deductions you can. I hear a lot of feedback from a so, so, so many people who work with accountants and they're like, you know, I thought they were going to be more hands-on. I thought they were going to be more communicative, more proactive, and just to sort of remind people that, you know, the business model for a lot of tax accountants out there is that they have to do as many tax returns as they possibly can squeeze in, in order to make money, you know, like 500, 600, even more, you know, a pop, like they, they have to do a lot of tax returns to pay the bills for the year. And so it's a volume game, um, which is why I stopped doing that, you know, years ago, because I just realized I couldn't give the hands-on attention. But I think even if you get a tax accountant, you want to make sure that you're keeping your own best interest in mind. Cause I guess my point is like, they just might be too busy to really like dive in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just to, I'll tell you some of the things that are frequently missed when we get a tax return and, you know, we're doing it for the first time, there's a few things. Um, I think people will miss out on things like, you know, normal business expenses are, they don't usually miss things like taking a cell phone deduction. So, um, you know, my phone cost me like, I don't know, almost a hundred dollars a month, probably. I think it's about a thousand dollars a year is what I pay for my cell phone, which I know is a pretty common number. And, the portion of that that I use for business is totally deductible, right? If I'm using it for email, for client calls, for social media, for all that stuff. And so I think that's one that could easily be close to a thousand dollars of a tax deduction and your tax savings on that could be, you know, 200 bucks. Um, some other things people miss would just be like taking a mileage deduction. So a lot of us being in the virtual land, we don't necessarily, you know, go drive a ton for business, but whatever you do drive, like make sure you take that as a mile, like you track your mileage for business. So what I like to do at the end of the year um, is I look back at my calendar for the year and just make sure that any trip that I see on my calendar, if I went to visit a client, if I went to a networking event, if I went to, you know, a conference or something like that, like I make sure I put that on my list. Um, And then you know, some other things, I think people are sometimes afraid to do things like the home office deduction, for example. So if you're working out of your house and you have a space that is dedicated as your office, like not the dining room table or your couch in your living room, like it has to be a separate space, but you can take a deduction for that. Um, and so you just have to make sure you note that when you work with a tax person, or if you use TurboTax, like say, Hey, yes, I do have an office space. And that is totally a legit thing that you can write off. Um, and then other things, like if you don't have health insurance, like if your, your partner doesn't work, or if you're not eligible for health insurance under your partner's plan, um, but you're still paying premiums, you are probably eligible for a health insurance deduction. 
which can be, I mean, I don't know about y'all, mine for our family is like $900 a month or something crazy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a huge, a huge tax deduction that's missed. So I think it just comes down to like at a basic level, having clean financials just so, you know, you can take anything that you have spent on business, just make sure you take that deduction first and foremost, because going through some of these things um, that I've just listed out, like it can be easily a couple thousand dollars in deductions that you take, which can be hundreds of dollars in tax savings. Yeah, for sure. There, Every year that I go to do taxes, I'm like so surprised as, you know, because as your business evolves, like there are newer things that I can take deductions on. There are newer things that I'm investing in. Um, so I'm always so surprised. The cell phone one is always so funny to me because I I'm, I always want to like give myself the benefit of doubt. And I'm like, well, you know, like I don't use it 100% for business. Like, so, so then it's like me trying to decide like, what is that percentage? Like, cause it's not, it's not solely just a work phone. Like I do personal things on it too. So that's always, that's always the interesting conversation that I have at tax time is like, what did the percentage increase this year? Is the percentage the same? <laughs> I, you know, I try to not get like too in the weeds. I think that sometimes people are afraid to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I like to remind people like, you know, worst case is you get audited, which would suck. Like to be clear, that would suck. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but just because you get audited doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Like there's just an element of they audit people every year, right? And you just have to have the documentation to support the deduction that you took. So, I mean, when it comes to things like a cell phone, like what's the difference between, you know, 60 and 75%, like how many dollars is that in taxes? They're probably like, it's not going to be something that they, you know, oh my gosh, you took this much on your tax return. Like we're going to come audit you. Like, no, they've got bigger fish to fry. You know, I think it just comes down to having clean records as much as you can and keeping good documentation. That's something I always like, I, it is a fear of mine. I'm like, I'm going to get audited. But then at the same time, I'm like, really? Like, do they really, I, you know, and, but it's me thinking small. Cause I'm like, do they really want to come after my little business here in, in Western New York? Like, no, there are, there are way Probably more. Not. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I can totally, I think that there is a, definitely that's probably what it comes down to. It's like, I don't want to do anything wrong. Like I would rather, Air on the side of caution, then do something wrong. But um, great tip about just keeping keeping everything organized, keeping everything um, filed like that. De- and definitely, like one of the biggest things I think that I learned from doing this is like don't don't wait until tax time to do this. Like oh this should be something that you are doing every single month because that I did that I did that one year and that was again before my business was where it is now. So thank goodness I learned my lesson early on. Um, but definitely making sure that you are doing this like month over month and really checking this and making sure that you have this organized so that it is somewhat easier come tax time, even though that is, a, it is a stressful time. You want to make sure you have everything in line. Like if you're doing it month over month, as opposed to waiting to last minute, it, it will feel a little bit easier going into it. Yeah. So I'll just add what you're talking about is really what I call tax planning. Um, and tax planning is different from tax prep. So Tax prep is just getting the return done. Tax planning is where you sit down and say, this is where my income should land this year. Based on this, what is my tax bill going to be? And unless you reach out specifically to a tax accountant to do that, they probably won't do that for you. Um, And so what I tell people in the meantime, you know, before you necessarily get to a place when you feel like you need, you know, tax planning, um, I would say, I like to sit down and look at 
you know, the financials for the month and say, this is how much profit I made. This is how much profit I've made year to date. And I do anywhere from 20 to 30% of that profit number I set aside. So Mm -hmm. put that into a separate account that is earmarked for taxes. So for me, I don't have like a savings account or a business account. I just have a free checking account because I pay taxes quarterly and it's not going to stay in the account long enough to like make a difference on interest Mm -hmm. payments. And so, you know, because it's free, I don't incur any additional bank fees or any of that mess. And so I just say, hey, you know, this month, if my profit was, you know, $5,000, then I'm going to take a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks and slide it over into the tax account. Because I think what a lot of business owners get shocked by, I actually had one this year who started in the spring and we looked at her 2021 numbers um, and she had made like a hundred thousand dollars in profit. And so after the fact, there's not much that I could do to reduce that tax bill aside from, you know, the things I said, just making sure we got all the deductions for stuff that she had paid. And I mean, it was like a 20 some thousand dollar tax bill and she didn't have the cash for it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that puts you into debt because you have to get a payment plan. And so all of that can be avoided with just being, you know, a little bit proactive setting money aside throughout the year, you will thank yourself later. Yes. Oh my gosh. That just gave me so much anxiety just hearing that story. No, because I like that. That is something that definitely like you, I mean, you, I'm definitely a person. It's like, I'd rather have more money, you know, like save and then be able to like do something, like do something fun with that money. Like if I was already saving that money for taxing. Um, but that actually happened to me. So I had, um, from 2020 to 2021, I had a huge jump in income, like it was, it was great obviously to like have that. Um, but like before we were getting ready to, so I pay quarterly taxes. And so I called my accountant and I was like, look, this is kind of where we're trending and this is what it's looking like. I would much rather like know about, like know where I, where I need to be tax wise now. Like I don't want to get hit with something crazy at tax time. So we were able to make some adjustments to my last two tax payments to kind of counteract that. But yeah, that's like always the scariest thing is like getting to tax time being like, you actually owe way more money than you thought. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and so I'll just say, I know like, you know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but when I see a lot of business owners, they have cash piled up in their bank account and they're afraid in many cases to take it out because they're afraid that they're going to owe taxes on it. And so that is why I say, let's earmark the tax money so that whatever's left over, you know, is clear for mm-hmm. anything else that you can do. And it re- relieves some of that anxiety knowing that you've got savings there. So I would definitely go do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sarah, this has been such a great conversation. I have learned some new things here. Um, like I said at the beginning, finances is not my thing, but that's why like, I love having people like you on the podcast because it opens my eyes and it just gives me that little extra confidence that I can do this and and reminds me of the importance of it. So I want to thank you for taking the time to come on today and share all of your knowledge with us. And I would love for you to let my listeners know where they can learn more about you, what you have to offer, where they can connect with you, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's been great to be here. I, you know, like I said, I used to be a teacher. I love to just spread the financial knowledge. And if I can help one more person, just make some more money and you know, build wealth from their business, then my job is done. Um, So I have my own podcast where we talk about, you know, finance, money stuff and business. It is the Profit and Prosper podcast. I'm sure we'll have that in the links in the show notes. 
Um, you can also find me on Instagram. My personal account where I'm more active is it's Sarah Young. So you can, you know, send me a message there if you listened. Um, and then I'll say too, like if, you know, for businesses who don't necessarily need a virtual CFO, I don't want that to be prohibitive to you learning how to have a financial strategy. And so, you know, we do have an annual tax service that is amazing in my opinion. And we also have, you know, a course for newer business owners. That's literally, I brain dumped everything I would tell a brand new business owner into this course um, that you could knock out in a week or less. And then when you're making, you know, hundred K or so in your business and you're like, I need some strategy around how to get to the next level. Um, I have a group coaching program for that as well. So I try to make it accessible to business owners at all levels because ultimately I just want us all to make more money. I love that. Well, we'll link all of that up in the show notes so everybody can go and grab that and get connected with you. But thank you again for coming on today. Um, I truly mean it. It's been a blast chatting with you and I know my listeners are really going to love this episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.